Hello, I'm Mark O'Connor, head of the tech sector at DLA Piper, and you join us for the latest of our sessions looking at the findings of our tech index. And I'm joined today by three great colleagues who are going to help me take a deeper dive into the world of digital transformation. So let's just introduce my colleagues first of all. Sophie, Sophie Lesser, uh, a specialist in financial services, of course, based in London, so bringing that perspective. Joined to your right by Bennett Borden, our chief data scientist. And to your left by Vinny Sanchez, uh, who heads our digital transformation practice in LA. So welcome, everybody. Let's, let's get into the detail of this. Um, and Sophie, if I can come to you first, if that's OK. Um, digital transformation and the trends you're seeing um, amongst clients and the work you're doing in the UK, how's it looking right now? So I think there's a lot of focus at the moment on product and also on channels and how products are being delivered. So you think particularly about routes to market. The last few years have seen an exponential growth, particularly in the financial services space, in digitisation and not just in individual product digitisation that was happening together, but holistic digitization. So if you think about things like embedded finance or holistic customer lifecycle journeys, so there's been that big shift and conceptual shift away from individual digital versions of a traditional product to um, a digital customer journey experience and delivery. A new born digital experience. Exactly. Is that the same, Vinny? Are you seeing that in the States as well? Yeah, we're definitely seeing um, companies trying to take advantage of that sort of digital customer experience. But we're also facing some interesting and challenging headwinds, right? Inflationary pressures, geopolitical um, competition, and supply chain risks, which remain and challenge digital transformation. We're still also seeing um, challenges with the talent pool available. Yeah. We're seeing some talent um, hitting the market because of some layoffs now, as we are on the precipice of a recession potentially, and a potential global banking crisis. So if we look back at our tech index and what it told us about the last global financial crisis is that companies had a, um, a decision to make and learned some valuable lessons. Some companies pulled back on their budgets and we're starting to see some chatter about that currently. But others took advantage of digital technologies to actually accelerate their transformation and their changes to their operating model. And I feel like we're at that kind of point right now we have that opportunity and we're at this inflection point because of the opportunities around artificial intelligence. So I'd like to turn it over to Bennett to sort of talk about how AI is turbocharging digital transformation. Yeah, it's a great time to be in data science in the world, especially being a lawyer who counsels on these AI issues because the kind of technology we're seeing coming out is entirely transformational, um, especially for companies where automated decision-making is the core part of their business. So think um, consumer finance or insurance, um, labor and employment algorithms. The, the, these systems are getting so good that it is really transforming how our company, our clients do business. The interesting part is the risk that brings along with it. And so we're seeing a lot of regulatory interest around fairness and accuracy and bias and discrimination. And I think we're going to see tremendous activity in the regulatory space because of that. So you're all talking about um, organizations that are, that are hugely data rich. Let's focus it down, shall we, into financial services sector insurance uh, as, as, as use cases for the application of digital transformation techniques and AI in particular. Um, what are you seeing? Come back to you, Vinny, perhaps. What are you seeing in the US in terms of financial services organizations looking to harness the sort of technologies that Bennett was describing there? 
Well, I think from the U.S. perspective, you know, we have different regulators that um, govern some of these different financial institutions, and so we can divide the market sort of into the banking sector and then the insurance sector. Yeah. Um, on the banking side, we're starting to see some more focus on um, AI, but no regulation like it is we see in, in Europe. Um, we're starting to see people looking at the, you know, the existing third-party risk frameworks to see how they might apply to artificial intelligence and its application. Um, a lot of the focus from a regulatory standpoint has really been more on the consumer finance, as, as Bennett mentioned, um, area, but not so much on other applications yet. And so what we're seeing in the U.S. is mostly not just focused on financial services, but focused um, at coming out of the White House, the Department of Commerce is now issued for comment you know, um, from industry about how they should think about potentially regulating, which is not, again, specific to financial services. But maybe, Bennett, you can talk more about insurance because I know you um, work in that area a lot. Yeah, insurance is really interesting, especially in the U.S., because it is regulated by each of the states individually as opposed to from the federal government level. And so states have different priorities about this. Um, interestingly, about two years ago, um, an entity called the National Association of Insurance Commissioners got together. These are all the 50-plus territories, um, these insurance commissioners, and they, they promulgated some guidelines about the use of automated decision-making systems. And it's not binding these principles that came out, but several states have started to adopt them. And so you're seeing a bit of a patchwork in how um, insurance is being regulated in the U.S. with a focus on the consumer. And so what's really tricky about insurance is that it's looking for risk and what do I charge a customer for the risk that I think that they represent. But risk is not evenly distributed across the United States. And so the more accurate these algorithms become, they're actually becoming more and more biased in some ways. And so it's been really tricky for insurance companies to try to figure out how do I make accurate decisions without carrying forward this inequality and risk. And where's that inequality and risk comes from? The training data? Yes, mainly because the risk that people experience really is not evenly distributed across the country. Mm -hmm. And so um, race, education, wealth, all of those things make someone experience more risk, whether it's health, life, property, and casualty. And so the algorithms that find these pockets of risk also tend to find these correlations to protected class. And so how do you build these algorithms that are fair, but also accurate? And so this is the big public policy discussion that's going on right now. So those pockets of risk and that patchwork quilt you're describing in the US, Sophie, what about in the UK by comparison? So from the UK, the patchwork perspective and thinking about the UK and the wider European context is partly to do with different product regulation, but also the fact if you think about consumer retail finance in particular, we're looking at the financial services regulator and we'll also be looking at the consumer regulator more generally and the focus on digital there. So you've got businesses and particularly as well as businesses are looking to harness the power of the data they hold across a customer set who probably owns um, numerous products, they know a lot about their behaviour, that firms are increasingly operating 
kind of across what's called the perimeter. So some of their products are regulated and some are not. So they're looking to bring together those different types of products, the different information, the compliance with the different regulatory frameworks, as you say, with the consumer risk focus of the regulators um, and trying to establish holistic um, organisation-driven policies, procedures and practices because the idea is if the business is the owning of the customer relationship is data-driven. We know a lot about people, what can we do better more, how can we own that relationship? Think about open banking and the embeddedness of the customer journey and how you can bring together all your products in one place. And at the same time, the regulator in the UK, the FCA, is also saying, hold on, you have a lot of information about your customers. Are you using this? We're, um, we're a data-driven regulator. Are you using this from a regulatory compliance perspective? So, for example, you see these practices of this person, but you also are aware they have, say, a vulnerability or a protected characteristic. Are you also drawing that in in order to comply with the consumer duty or obligations of fairness across the piece. So you're both talking about a number of regulators and if we stand back and think about the European perspective that's a totally different approach to regulation. Hard law is coming um, and the activities using AI will be classified into, into different risk segments. That's not been the case in the UK, not been the case in the US. So, so my question to you all, but maybe carrying on with you Sophie in the first instance, who are the regulators therefore for AI in the UK? When if you're thinking about the financial services sector in particular, one of the key discussions that's happening at the moment has been, should we be having um, sector-specific AI regulation? So the Bank of England and Financial Conduct Authority have been out uh, for consultation around this to say, actually, do we need sector-specific AI regulation? And we're involved in some of those um, consultations with industry and a lot of discussion is actually if you think about the UK um, regulatory regime we have a very comprehensive outcomes based conduct driven regulatory regime is it not more appropriate to think about AI within the context of that regime so think about the new consumer duty the delivery of fair outcomes for consumers and AI is obviously important and going to be increasingly so but should not this not be encapsulated within that governance regime there with perhaps guidance as appropriate geared towards the specificities of AI-driven change? Bennett, Vinny, in the US, what are you seeing in terms of who's, who's, who's stepping up as the regulator? You know, interestingly, I think it's the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, yeah. mainly because there's not really another good default regulator. Um, the FCT, FTC took on privacy and cybersecurity under its rubric of um, preventing unfair and deceptive trade practices. And so it's made a lot of noise around uh, doing the same thing for AI, right? That an inaccurate or a biased AI system or automated decision-making system is inherently deceptive or unfair. Um, very interestingly, just last night, four um, U.S. regulators signed on to a joint statement. So the DOJ, CFPB, EEOC, and FTC. Um, and it's very unusual for these regulators to come out with a joint statement. And they basically said, our current regulatory authority allows us to regulate AI as is. Um, we don't need new rules or new um, jurisdiction, that the deceptive, unfair, biased discrimination that those laws are on the books very unusual to occur. Now, how that plays out in real life, 
we'll see. But it was a very interesting development, even just last night. I think that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you're talking about from both a market perspective and an industry perspective um, and the regulators, people are saying, actually, we should be thinking within our existing governance framework because this is part of the puzzle and we need to, and you know, you actually also want to think about the transformation within the financial service space and the change in the players in the market, the hybrid products and businesses people are increasingly operating that need for clearness about the frameworks across your different product offering as a business and also the need for an equal playing field kind of across say different business types who may be operating in the same space as you. And I think that's right. I think from the banking perspective, those regulators are going to continue to rely on their third-party risk management frameworks and their regulations that are out there. I think what's going to be really interesting, um, and to Bennett's point about the focus of the Federal Trade Commission, is look at what's happening in the market right now with some of the bigger tech companies launching their own banking products. And who's going to regulate that? And they have access to more data than the banks. So when we look at what that's going to bring to market, I think there's going to be a renewed focus. There's already a renewed focus by um, Congress and regulators on the big tech companies. I think that's going to continue even more. And we have to just also be careful about the urge to overregulate, right? And that's where we're starting to see a lot of activity, a lot of chatter, especially as we're going to start running up into a new election cycle about having to regulate um, AI and the potential threats, which Mis, there's misperceptions about what those threats could be. And that, that's an interesting point you raised there, tech companies stepping into the banking sphere, banking, banking companies using tech to maintain their, their competitive advantage. We see the same in life science, don't we? You know, is it the healthcare companies moving into tech or is it tech moving into wearable tech and, and healthcare and so on? And um, let, two last questions then. Um, in that uh, bank versus tech, I'd like to get your thoughts on who's going to win. And then secondly, putting yourself in the position of our viewers, and if you're the general counsel of an organization, perhaps in the, in the financial services sector, what do you need to do? So let's think about that winning question first. Tech companies gonna take over, picking up your point, Vinny, tech companies gonna take over the banks? I think it's gonna be um, an interesting um, development to see what happens, but I think it's the regulators will probably step in to put some controls around this. Given where we are right now, the financial crisis we had many years ago, crypto, so there's going to have to be some sense of order around that, and it'd be interesting to see. And uh, it just reminds me of you know negotiating a contract recently, um, where you know we were talking about competitors and change of control, and we said, well, it would be almost impossible for a tech company to you know acquire a bank or vice versa. And now we start to think, see that there's actually a real possibility that they converge and come together. Yeah, indeed. All right, so let's think about that then. Bennett, maybe coming to you, thinking about the pace of technological advancement here. And as I say, putting yourself in the position of, of someone perhaps watching this, thinking of the, uh, how do I harness the opportunities, but harness them in a, in a safe way. What would be your advice? And this is a tricky part because the technology is much further ahead than the regulators are. Um, every time you see a, a time of quick technological advancement, it just out, it, it outpaces where the regulation is. And so it's very difficult as a business leader to work in kind of a legal greenfield. But what we always say is fall back on this reasonableness standard, right? What would a reasonable company do? And that's where these third-party risk assessments and impact assessments come in, but understand what your company is trying to do, of what risks 
does that introduce into the market and are you taking reasonable steps to mitigate those risks? If you have that good story to tell, one, the regulators won't come knocking, but you can actually help create what the regulation is going to be. When a regulator starts to think about new rules or new requirements, the first thing it does is reach out into the world and say, well, what are you doing? What are the best practices? And so you can actually help shape those regulations by putting in best practices yourselves. We need to be putting in best practice. You don't, you don't want to over-regulate yourself. You don't want to be um, dropped out the back. You want to be somewhere in the middle of the pack, exactly. right? Sophie, Vinny, anything to add on that? And I think the point is as well, it's how do we apply this technology for the benefit of our business and our products, but also in thinking from the regulator perspective, how do we embrace it to um, ensure that we're delivering compliance, that we've got good governance in place? This is, you know, the benefits of these developments is across the spectrum and you can actually not just kind of view it as something to cause a headache or an issue or that you need to comply with but actually it can enhance compliance as well. So thank you all that was that was terrific for a deeper dive into the world of digital transformation thank you Vinny thank you Sophie thank you Bennett and for those watching for more details do take a look at our tech index report and the findings specifically on digital transformation. The report is something we do every two years and we will be redoing the index globally this time in 2024, so look out for that. But in the meantime, please do visit our Tech Legal Edge website and pages and look forward to hopefully seeing some of you in person at our next European Tech Summit in November. Thank you. <laughs>